Swinet. It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry. One that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here you have the brightest mind of the global swine industry in your pocket. We cannot, you know, replace antibiotic and replace zinc by just looking at feed additive. I think we have to think outside of the box. But beyond that, we have to look at how we feed our pigs based on, you know, look at fiber, energy, protein, amino acid. So we have to look outside of the box and make sure that we look at nutritional concept. Swinet Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like Gestalt, always one step ahead in swine feeding, Every Pig, a simple yet powerful pig health and production management tool, NutriQuest, experts serving producers and delivering breakthrough solutions, Zimpro, essential trace minerals, exceptional performance, and Genesis, the first power in genetics. Welcome to Swineet Podcast. My name is Marcel Gonçalves, your host for today's episode. This episode sponsors highlights about Zimpro. Since 1971, Zimpro Corporation has focused on one thing, trace mineral nutrition. As the most research-proven organic feed trace mineral products in the industry, Zimpro Performance Minerals deliver performance and profitability to swine operations around the globe. To know more, go to zimpro.com. Hello everyone, today we are going to talk about Applied Pig Nutrition, an update from Canada with Dan Boussiers. Dan is a, is a great friend and uh, I'll let uh, him introduce himself. But before that, how are you today, Dan? Very good. Thanks, Marcio. Appreciate your time. And uh, I guess, Dan, to start things off, if you can uh, just tell us about yourself, how, how you got involved in pig production in, in your career so far. Yeah, good. Thanks. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, my name is Dan. I'm a French-Canadian, so from Quebec. So you recognize my French accent. <laughs> uh, so I was born and raised close to Quebec City. Uh, I haven't been involved with agriculture until uh, my uh, teenage years when I work in a dairy farm for summertime. Uh, then after that, decide to go to animal science in uh, Laval University in Quebec. And uh, saw my first pigs during summer job when I was likely 20, 21 years old. So that was my first contact with pig production, pig production at that time. So work summertime for a couple of years during my university uh, years in Laval in Quebec. And then after that, when I finished university, I went to work for a feed company. So I was in charge of technical service, R&D, uh, developing nutritional program for the company. Uh, then I worked for a genetic company, breeding stock. Uh, then I had the chance to travel in Canada, USA, Mexico, and Brazil, uh, which was a great experience. And then in 2004, uh, decided to start my own business uh, with one of my partner, uh, Jeanne Boucher, we decided to start Group Serais, which is our business today. Uh, started in late 2004, early 2005. So it's been 14 years now uh, that we have our own business uh, growing into the swine market in Canada. So today our business uh, is working on the nutrition side, genetic production. Uh, we have customers in Quebec, Ontario, in Western Canada. Uh, I do some work as well in China. Uh, for some of our partners that have farm over there. So I do some uh, nutrition consulting in China. Uh, probably going to be involved in Japan as well with some production system over there. So um, 
we work also with a large group here in Canada called High Life, which is a partner in our business. So I've been involved with that group uh, in terms of research and nutrition since the 2005-2006. So yeah, I've been uh, into the swine business since that time. Uh, it's been 22 years, 23 years now that I'm just doing swine. I've never been involved in any other species. So I'm a, I'm a pig guy, that's for sure. Very nice. Yeah, I love that. <clears throat> yeah, pig, pigs. There's enough to learn about pigs that it's tough to learn about our other species. Yeah, enough on our plate on a day-to-day basis. We learn every day. So I think uh, as long as we keep learning, I think we can keep doing what we do. Very nice, Dan. Well, thanks for that. And uh, so we jump right into it. Um, what is the current status of swine nutrition in Canada? Well, I don't think it's that much different than what you you could see in the in United States. Uh, the industry is consolidating. There's less and less player. Uh, the, 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 the people involved are getting bigger. There's a lot of acquisition mm-hmm. that had happened lately. Uh, company that buy other companies. So if you look at the swine industry in terms of uh, the feed business, there's less and less people that are involved and those companies are bigger. Uh, the other thing that we have seen over the last couple of years is the lot of the feed company are now involved into feed additive. Uh, either a feed additive company bought a feed company mm-hmm. or a feed company bought a feed additive company. Example of Altec with Masterfeed, uh, uh, ADM uh, with Pencosma, mm-hmm. Cargill with uh, Diamond V. So it, it, it's changing a bit the way that those feed company or the feed industry is, is moving as now they, they, they are not just feed retailer and uh, micro premix producer. They also have feed additive line that comes along with their feed service and feed program. So uh, that changed a bit the nature of the competition between the, the different groups that are involved in Canada. Um, Canada is a large country as well. For those that know Canada, it's from the east from the, the, the east to west. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty large. Uh, we have a lot of variation in grain uh, accessibility. If you go more in the eastern part of Canada, we are corn, soybean meal based, you know, a bit like more the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, feed program. If you go out west, uh, a lot of small grain, uh, barley, wheat, uh, chamomile, peas, uh, faba bean, um, Manitoba, which is the central part of Canada, touch a bit everything. They touch corn, they touch small grain. I think that's a big advantage for them to have access to most of the ingredients available in Canada and uh, in, in the Midwest as well. So feed costs can vary somewhat into Canada, depending where you raise your pigs. Uh, that's a bit of a challenge today to try to optimize or reduce our feed costs, Quebec versus Western Canada. Uh, there's some significant difference sometime in production costs due to feed costs. So that's a challenge, even though we're in the same country, there's sometimes big difference that uh, we can see. Very nice. Overall, the pig production in Canada has been stable over the last 10 years. There was a bit of a decrease in the, in the 2008, 2009 years. And after that, it's been stable. We are at about 1.2 million sow, uh, but 90, 85, 90% of those sow are located in Quebec, Ontario, and Manitoba, which are the, the three main provinces of producing pigs in Canada. Uh, so uh, again, like I said, Canada is a big country, but uh, the concentration of production is mainly in three provinces. Very good. No, that's that, that makes sense. Very diverse in... Uh and uh, very progressive as well as, as the U.S. Yeah, the, the, the other comment I want to make is about Canada. We have been uh, a lot of influence from the U.S. for sure in terms of how we feed our pigs, but we've been pretty close to Europe as well, especially Quebec. 
uh, with the French connection with the, the France right. and other countries in Europe. So I think we have a bit of a mix of uh, North American and European influence on our feed program. Yeah. Uh, I think we've been probably the first to adopt net energy system. And uh, we look a lot at what's happening in Europe to try to predict what will happen in North America or in Canada within the next couple of years. Because the reality is that some of the change happen first in Europe and then they come our way. So uh, we try to be really close to what happened over there to be prepared and to know what is coming and try to get the best out of it and make sure that we are ready when those change, when those change happen. Makes sense, especially from a regulation standpoint and those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, different, like, I know Brazil has a, has, has a strong influence as well from Europe, uh, more recent, a little more U.S., I'd say, but uh, that's interesting to see how all that uh, evolves. So, very good. Well, what, um, what are the current challenges there and uh, what are the biggest opportunities then? Well, I, again, the, the challenge are not different than what you can see elsewhere in the world. Uh, the use of antibiotic has been on the on the newspaper a lot lately. Uh, we knew it was coming, but now the pressure is really on the on the sector of pig production and other species as well to reduce the use of antibiotic in feed and also injectable antibiotics. Uh, in Canada, the class one antibiotic has are not banned, but they cannot be used for prevention. They have to be used for treatment only and with very specific usage uh, usage uh, policy. Uh, in Quebec, we have the aim to reduce by 20% the use of antibiotics by next year. Mm -hmm. uh, wow. The 20% is not really well defined. People talk about, you know, is it per milligram of body weight, per overall usage, or, you know, but at the end of the day, there's pressure to reduce antibiotic. Uh, we don't see that much raised without antibiotic program. We see a bit more in chicken, in pigs, it's it's coming along. But when we say use of antibiotic, it's more by reducing the usage, not by taking them out completely. Mm -hmm. So I think we have to be uh, sensitive to that. And we are. And uh, most of our research program and development over the last year and the next couple of years will be towards trying to use less of, of those antibiotics and make the best out, out of our pigs with other mean, other concepts other feed additive or nutritional concept. The other challenge that we have, and again, uh, zinc uh, has been uh, talked about a lot. Uh, in Canada, we don't know yet what will be the level we will be uh, able to use. Today, we can use the 2,000, 3,000 ppm of zinc in the early stage diet in nursery. Uh, there's a new table four, which is our guideline for uh, maximum and minimum usage of, uh, of some nutrient in, the, in pigs feeding. That should be launched, but with government official, we never know when, when it's going to happen. Right. There was some consultation in 2016 about the new the new table four, and we are two years, two years after, and right. we haven't heard about you know what what would, what would it be. But we know that there's going to be some change. So that's another challenge that we have to face uh, today. And if you do uh, raise without antibiotic program, uh, you have to limit your zinc usage. You cannot. I use high level of zinc if you have a raise without antibiotic or never ever to program. So uh, you have to keep that in mind. But again, uh, we don't know yet where those levels would be set, uh, but we know it's coming. And again, uh, like we said a bit earlier, what happened in Europe, uh, the downstream will come in North America, in Canada, US. So we have to be aware of that. 
The other challenge we have, it's, uh, and again, it's toxin level in feed and grain. Uh, in Canada, again, it's been uh, very variable this year. Ontario has been really, really bad. Uh, we, we are dealing in Ontario with uh, corn that is anywhere between low toxin level, low vomitoxin, up to 10, 15 ppm in corn. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine that when you produce DDG out of that corn, what the DDG will look like. So it's it's been a bit of a nightmare for a lot of producers in Ontario that have their own corn crop, put that in a silo, and they want to feed it to their pigs, but the corn is contaminated. So um, so there's different strategy that we have used to try to limit the impact of that uh, using wheat, which is expensive this year, or using bakery meal uh, to try to dilute the corn, but you know, it's it's tough. You know, at at some point you have to use that corn, or you have to. There's not enough beef in the country to 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 get all that dirty corn. So right. <laughs> it's been a challenge. Uh, Quebec has been not too bad. Western Canada has been really good. So, like I said, uh, probably the same in big country like like United States. You know, you have variation within the country. So that that has been a challenge this year, but mostly for Ontario people. Okay. The other, the other challenge, you know, and again, not new, it's the uh, African swine fever. Uh, on the feed side, the challenge comes to the fact that we have to be careful about Chinese ingredients. Uh, with that being said, we know as an industry that we have to use, we need to use Chinese ingredients. There are some vitamins that are mostly produced in China. Uh, but today in Canada, we have, uh, it's not a regular, it's not a by law, but we have a kind of a commitment to ask any supplier that supply us with Chinese ingredient to have a quarantine of 20 days at 20 degrees Celsius. Mm. So by the time the product come into Canada, the product has to stay for at least 20 days into a warehouse where it's heated at 18, 20 degrees Celsius. Uh, some people are doing 30 days, 45 days, which is even better. Mm -hmm. So that's a added safety uh, procedure that we ask our supplier to do to try to protect uh, us from any contamination of ASF to the ingredient. Uh, personally, I'm not that much scared about vitamins, amino acid. Uh, we are more scared about people. Mm, right. <laughs> and, and again, people and people, because that's probably the, the number one risk factor. And also, uh, we have some organic soybean meal that is imported from China to Canada, which is a risk as well. But there's some... Uh, regulation or some process that have been put in place to try to limit the risk of those ingredients as well. So yeah, ASF has been a, has been a, a, it's a threat for our market because we export 70% of our meat in Canada uh, outside of the country. So for us, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty big. Right. That, yeah, that's something that's way higher than us right now. Right. Yeah. Export. So interesting. Very good. Um, for opportunity, I think you were asking for opportunity, Mauricio. Yeah, I think, yes. uh, but you know, I think the, the the strength of Canada in terms of uh, nutrition, we we talk about it a bit before, is the variation in ingredient uh, access that we have. Uh, even in Quebec, sometimes you know, I think we have access to some ingredient that we can use and save money. Like bakery meal is a big is a big thing in Quebec and Ontario. Uh, a lot of good product on the market that can help us to save money. So we have to look into those things. Canada also has been, uh, I think, developing a lot of good research program. I think uh, one thing that we like to say is that we have to turn challenge into opportunity. Right. So we know our feed cost is a bit higher. We know we have to deal with uh, 
you know, with regulation on zinc, antibiotic that are not always coming from the industry, but pressure from outside of the industry, which is okay. At the end of the day, we have to deal with that and, uh, and comply with those requirements as well. So research has been developing a lot in Canada. I think there's a lot of company now that are doing great research, private company, but also as an industry, I think we try to regroup ourselves uh, together to, uh, to, to increase our strength for research. So uh, we're working on some committee right now in Quebec to try to leverage uh, all the uh, industrial um, uh, ask, uh, asset that we have and some uh, public asset like university uh, research center and try to work more together to develop research program and to be more efficient. Uh, instead of working in silo, uh, we have to work as a group and try to you know look at the challenge that we have and focus on those challenge and put research program in place to face those challenge. And I think there's an opportunity in Canada to do better on that. And I think we, we, we are working on that right now. Very nice. That's, uh, that's exciting, <clears throat> exciting times to tackle those, those, uh, challenges and, and make uh, opportunities. Like you said, I, I like that. Yeah. Very good. Um, then what do you see as recent and upcoming change that will impact how we feed the pig? Well, I think it's coming back to just what we said the last five, 10 minutes, but to be a bit more specific, I think um, one thing that we have to keep in mind sometimes is that we cannot, you know, replace antibiotic and replace zinc by just looking at feed additive. I think we have to think outside of the box. I think it's good to look at feed additive, uh, talk about enzyme, acidifier, yeast-based product, medium chain fatty acid, name it. There's so many uh, products and the supplier are doing a great job to develop those products and come to us to propose those new concepts. But beyond that, we have to look at how we feed our pigs based on, you know, look at fiber, energy, protein, amino acid. So I think, you know, we have a tendency or we had a tendency to say, I'm going to try that product to replace the zinc. Yeah, most of the time it could work, but it's never as good. So we have to look outside of the box and make sure that we look at nutritional concept. Uh, one thing that we have learned over the last two, three years that, you know, feeding pigs, early weaned pigs, uh, you could do it a bit different and you could help a lot to reduce enteric problem. So example of using lower protein diet, lower energy diet, fiber into an early weaned diet. Uh, again, it's coming back from what people are doing in Europe. Uh, and it makes sense because we have tried those concepts and we are using those concepts now on a commercial basis uh, where we feed lower energy, lower protein. We use fiber into those early wind diet, and we have seen great response in terms of controlling enteric challenge. Mm -hmm. Not saying that it's perfect because it's never going to be perfect, but we have been able to reduce our challenge. And I think that's going to help us to cope with the reduction of zinc or reduction of antibiotic. So doesn't mean that we don't look at feed additive or other product, but I think sometimes we have to go back at the basic and say, you know, Yes, what, what should I do different and what could I do different just beyond the fact that I can add a product or not on top of, you know, when I take out the zinc or take out that antibiotic in my feed. So I think it has to be, uh, it has to be kept in mind. And I think the key uh, for the industry is to do research. Uh, and when I say research, research at all level, university research, which I think it's done already uh, by a lot of people in U.S., uh, in Canada as well. But we have to bring that research to the to the field, uh, so we have to 
make sure that when we do research, there's also that field research that we call, and that's where we are involved, to have research barn where we do research, but it's more the, the application of research into commercial production. Uh, that research help us to prove the concept that we want to test, that we want to apply to our pigs, uh, but it's made in the scope of reality, making sure that we deal with pigs, uh, farm that are farm that we are commercial farm. Uh, so I think that's one of the key as well to develop those research program, which which are costly uh, sometimes. But the large company today they are all doing research. So uh, if they do it, it's because there's a benefit at the end of the day. Even though you pay for the research, you have to get the staff, the equipment, but there's a payback because you. You improve your process, you improve your program, right. and you do it in your own situation uh, because sometimes it doesn't mean that if it worked for the neighbor, it's going to work for you. Right. Uh, so today, I think every large company or every significant company has to develop their own research program. Uh, but at the same time, we have to work with the industry all together to, 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 to develop those programs. So there's a bit of a you have to work as a group, but at the same time, you have to do it yourself to prove at the end of the day with your own system if it's working or not. Right. No, I, I love that. And and I guess if you then, if you could expand a little bit, uh, because I see within U.S. and, and Canada, I think is very uh, homogeneous, even though there's still some, some variation there from uh, the way people look at research. Uh, but I, I, sometimes in other countries uh, as well, I've seen that, um, you know, people are still trying to do one barn versus the other barn and before and after, you know, oh, I changed this and this is what happened. So if you can just explain a little bit, you know, what you do to control, make sure you have a, a true answer there. Yeah, no, that's a good point because, uh, you know, the before and after or the wrong ro one room versus the other room, uh, I don't call that research. Right. Um, so for us, when we say research, we, we have finisher barn, nursery barn, saw barn, where we have a uh, multiplication of pen. You know, we have 48 pens, 24 pens per treatment, 16 pens per treatment. We control the, 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 the pen weight or the individual weight of the pigs uh, all the way through. We measure feed intake. Uh, it's done in commercial farm, but we do it, you know, with experimental design that make us, allow us to run statistical analysis to determine if the difference we observe are due to chance or due to the treatment that we apply to those pigs. So I think, and numbers matter. Uh, when we do research on cell today, uh, we always try, even though it's costly and time consuming, we do it on a lot of cell. Variation in cell production is so huge right. that one, one, when you want to determine the impact of a treatment on pre-winning mortality or on farming rate, you need a lot of animals. So uh, we try to stay away from those trials that are 10 cell versus 10 cell. Right. Exactly. And uh, so it's, again, it's a commitment, but it's not for everybody. Uh, but I think today, like I said, because of the consolidation in the industry and people are getting bigger, those big company or those larger producer, they, they have the ability to run those research programs themselves. And sometimes what we do, we, we calibrate within each other. If, if it's a project that is, I will call pre-competitive, that is not a project that will just impact your benefit, but that could be good for the whole industry and everybody has a need to find an answer for that problem, then we can work as a group. And we did that in the past with other company or with other uh, public organization where we do research with them to solve or to try to find answer on an issue that is common to everybody. Um, for sure, if I try to develop my own feed program to compete with my feed competitor, I'm not going to share my research with those people. But when it's time to look at problems that are common for the whole industry, and that can help us 
in Canada to do better and to keep competing with, with you guys in the US, with other country, uh, we have to think like that. We, we have to be able to collaborate all together as well. Awesome. That's, that's great. Then um, any other innovations that you are looking at? One thing that we have been, uh, and again, it's, it's, it's a bit more specific on cell feeding. Uh, we, uh, and Marcio, based on your past life, uh, we had some discussion on that. But we are finding right now that uh, we may overfeed our sound lactation at some point in time. Mm -hmm. uh, we have done some work on uh, blend feeding for lactating cell, where we feed uh, a high and low lysine diet with a computerized feed system that is able to determine on a daily basis the, 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 the amount of feed or lysine a sow needs based on our feed intake, later growth, and the requirement on lysine. And we think that our calculation for lysine requirement on sow is overestimating what the sow really needs. Mm -hmm. um, and we have some data that support that right now where we found that we could probably feed lower lysine if we are able to feed sow one by one, okay, and be able to achieve the same performance even better performance because if you feed lower lysine, you lower, lower protein and the feed intake is better and with reduced cost. The problem we have today is that we feed lactating sow with one single diet and uh, that diet has to be made to fit, fit the need of 90% of the sow. Uh, so we tend to over-formulate that diet, which is, I think, works. Uh, but when it's time to look at cost saving, feed cost, and overfeeding protein to lactating sow, we know it could have an impact on feed intake. And we have some proof of that in a recent project that we have done uh, where we lower protein and we had better feed intake. Hmm. So, and at the end of the day, our sow consumed the same amount of lysine because of the better intake, even though lysine level was lower in the diet. So I think there's a lot of uh, learning to be made on sow feeding. Um, not saying that what we are doing today is bad because we have people that do 30, 35 PSY with, you know, pretty simple lactating diet but i think as we move with modern genetic higher letter size uh cell that have limited intake sometime in lactation uh we need to look at that a bit more closely and i think one of the innovation that will help us to achieve those things is technology uh use of feeding system automated feeding system that are able to do the job of a worker instead of feeding by hand or feeding by uh, by gut feel mm. uh, you have a system that is able to feed the sow the right way or the pigs in nursery or the pigs in finisher the right way uh, those technology were pretty expensive they are still uh, not cheap today but with the technology uh, that those companies have put in place we do see uh, better payback on using those technology today and um, I see a big future for technology automation system big data uh, using everything that we have in the farm to make better decision process. I think that's a, that's an opportunity to develop those things. It's not easy to do that, but uh, I think that that's a, that's a good, that's for the future. That's pretty good. Very good. Exciting research. Genesis is the largest independent producer of high health registered purebred swine in the globe having over 80% of all registered purebred breeding stock in Canada. The Genesis Genetic Program uses genomic selection strategies focused on productivity, faster growth, efficiency, high yield, and meat quality. To know more, go to genesis.com. It is time to our famous three. 
we can transition here then into the three questions we ask every guest. Yeah. The first one is, what is your favorite swine-related book? Uh, first of all, I, I should say that I'm not a big reader. <laughs> uh, most of the swine book I read are Pork Magazine. Okay, that I read that's good. The plane in my traveling. Uh, but one book that I've read a couple of years ago is uh, the book by Chantal Farmer, which is The Lactating Cell. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a book that talks about memory gland development and the basic of uh, cell milk production. Uh, I think it's it's a pretty good book, even though today we have probably a bit more knowledge than when the book was written. It's still pretty good. So that, that will be, if we talk about the true book, that will be my favorite one. But I will say that the, the pork national hog farmer, uh, pork Quebec in, uh, that we have in Quebec, uh, feed stuff, uh, the one that we have out west, which is the uh, Canadian Hog Journal. Mm-hmm. I like to read those magazines because sometimes there's some stuff that you, ha- you can pick up on those magazines and uh, on the web, pick progress, those type of uh, website that I try to look as as much as I can to, 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 to pick up some of the ideas that are all around the world and try to see if we can do something with that. Very good. And uh, in the, what's your favorite uh, book or magazine or website that is not re- related to pigs? Uh, again, I'm not a big reader, but uh, if I will, if the, the book that I've read are most of the time biography for sport athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that I prefer was the one on Andre Gassi, the tennisman. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was pretty good. So I will say that could have been my favorite book that I've read over the last couple of years. Nice. Uh, but I like to read stuff that about at, professional athlete or sport athlete uh, with their life. So that would be uh, my favorite type of book. And like book that are related to wine. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I like wine a lot. Oh, yeah. So there's books that talk about wine production and wine in the words. So I like to, to take a look at that as well. Nice. Very cool. Well, and then the last one then is what, in your opinion, sets apart successful professional for professionals from those who are not? Uh, but th- th- that's a good question. But I think it's uh, people that are able to apply. When I say apply, is take what we have in, from science or from research or from the, the world of, of science and try be able to go on farm with producer, with farmer, and make they can apply that. Uh, and making sure that we understand the science and application on farm, I think that's a key point today uh, because the, the people we work with are well-educated, but at the end of the day, they want to see the benefit of those research into their farm. So I think application is key and network. I think today you cannot stay in your home office, right. not traveling. I'm, I'm not saying traveling all over the world, but you need to connect with people. And the web helps you to connect with people, but it's more than that. Connect with face-to-face with people and go see other production in the world and be able to to talk with other people that are doing things differently sometimes. That's great things. And I think the last thing is be able to put economics on everything you do because at the end of the day, money talk. So we can talk about nice concept, nice uh, science, nice research project, but is there a payback for the, for my producer, for my customer? So I think one of the key points is being able to run economics and making sure that when you are in front of your customer, uh, you're able to prove that the program you want to put in place, there's a payback to that program and there's money to be made for him or cost saving. So I think that's, that's a key point as well. Makes total sense. Yes, I like it. Great. Awesome, Dan. Really appreciate your time. Um, it's been very insightful, insightful for me and uh, appreciate that. Yeah, thanks a lot, Marcio. So uh, 
good luck with your uh, new venture and uh, hope I can see you soon.